Hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy, and today we're going to try to balance the impossible equation of better, faster, and cheaper. As always, please follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe if you've not already done so. Shigeo Shingo, who lived from 1909 to 1990, helped to improve efficiency at Toyota by teaching thousands of engineers a Toyota production system and even influenced the creation of Kaizen. And he wrote, quote, there are four purposes for improvement, easier, better, faster, cheaper. These four goals appear in order of priority. Sachin Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, stated that, quote, every company is a software company. You have to start thinking and operating like a digital company. It's no longer just about procuring one solution and deploying one solution. It's really you yourself thinking of your own future as a digital company, building out what we refer to as systems of intelligence. Now, the first time I heard this Nadella quote, I didn't fully understand it, but after reflection, it makes a ton of sense. For example, Let's say your company couldn't send email. How much would that hurt the business? What if your company couldn't use Salesforce to look up customer information? How might that impact sales? What if your core financial systems had database integrity issues? Any of these examples would greatly impact most businesses. So getting high quality software applications that enable the business is a huge win. If every company is a software or digital company, then the CISO has a rare opportunity. That is, we can create one of the largest competitive advantages for our business. What if we could create an organization that builds software cheaper, faster, and better than all of our competitors? Sounds good, right? That's the focus of today's show. And we're going to teach you how to excel in creating a world-class organization through a focused program in secure software development. Now, if you like the sound of better, faster, cheaper, as most executives do, you might be thinking, where can I buy that? Well, let's start at the back and work our way forward. We can make our software development costs cheaper by increasing productivity from developers. We can make our software development practices faster by increasing convenience and reducing waste. And we can make our software better by increasing security. Let's first look at increasing productivity. To increase productivity, we need to understand the resistance pyramid. If you know how to change people and the culture within an organization, then you can significantly increase your productivity. However, people and culture are difficult to change, and different people require different management approaches. At the bottom of the pyramid are people who are unknowing. These individuals don't know what to do. You can think of the interns in your company. They just got to your company, but don't understand what practices and processes to follow. If you want to change the interns, then you need to communicate what is best practice and what is expected from their performance. Utilize an inquiry approach to decrease fear of not knowing. For example, do you know whom I should speak to about such and such? Or do you know how we do such and such here? And an answer of no allows you to inform them of the missing knowledge in a conversational rather than a directional manner. The middle part of the pyramid is people who believe they are unable to adapt to change. These are individuals that don't know how to do the task at hand. Here, communications are important, but also skills training. 
compare your team members here to an unskilled labor force. They're willing to work, but need an education to move forward. If you give them that, then even the unskilled can become skilled. However, if you never invest in them, then you'll not increase your company's productivity and being able to lower your costs. At the top of the resistance pyramid are the people who are unwilling. These individuals don't want to change. Now, we might call these folks the curmudgeons that say, well, we tried it before and it doesn't work, or I'm too old to learn that. If you want to change these individuals and the culture of an organization, then you need to create motivation. As leaders, our focus to stimulate change will be to focus on communicating, educating, and motivating. The first thing we need to communicate is the why. Why is secure software development important? The answer is money. There are a variety of studies that have found that when software vulnerabilities get detected in the early development processes, they're cheaper than later in the production phases. Research from the Poneman Institute in 2017 found that the average cost to address a defect in the development phase was $80. In the build phase was $240. In the QA test phase was $960. And in the production phase was $7,600. Think of that difference. $80 is about 1% of $7,600. So if a developer finds bugs in the development code, then they don't just save their time. They save the time of a second developer who doesn't have to do a failed code review. They save the time of an infrastructure engineer who has to put the failed code on a server. They save the time of another tester who has to create regression tests, which fail. They save the time of a wasted change approval board on failed release. And they save the customer representative's time who will respond to customers when the software is detected as having issues. As you can see, there's a lot of time to be saved by increasing productivity, as well as 99% cost savings for what has to be done anyway. Saving their own time is something that will directly appeal to every development team member. To do this, we need to do something called shift-left testing. The term shift-left refers to finding vulnerabilities earlier in development. To properly shift left, we need to create two secure software development programs. The first program needs to focus on the processes that an organization needs to follow to build software the right way. This is something you have to build in-house. For example, think about how you want software to create a network diagram that architects can look at in your organization. Think about the proper way to register an application into a configuration management database so there's a point of contact who can answer questions when an application is down. Think about how a developer needs to get a DNS entry created for new websites. Think about how someone needs to get a website into the various security scanning tools that your organization requires, whether it's SAST or DAST or Vuln Management or Container Scanning. Think about how developers should retire service at the end of life. These practices are unique to your company. They may require a help desk ticket to make something happen, or if you don't have a ticketing system, an email. We need to document all of these in one place where they can be communicated to the staff members who will be following the processes. Then our employee has a checklist of activities they can follow. Remember, if it's not in the checklist, then it won't get done. And if it doesn't get done, then bad security outcomes are more likely to happen. 
So work with your architects and security gurus to document all of the required practices for a secure software development in your company. You can place this knowledge into a Wikipedia article, a SharePoint site, a Confluence page, or some kind of website. Make sure to communicate this frequently. For example, have the CIO or CISO share it at the IT All Hands meeting. Send it out in monthly newsletters. Refer to it in security discussions and architecture review boards. The more it's communicated, the more unknowing employees will hear about it and change their behavior. The second program that you should consider building is a secure code training platform. You can think of things such as Secure Code Warrior, HackEDU, which is now known as Security Journey, or Checkmarks Code Bashing. These secure code training solutions are usually bought by organizations instead of being created in-house. They teach developers how to write more secure code. For example, how do I write JavaScript code that validates user input, sanitizes database queries, and avoids risky program calls that can create vulnerabilities in an application? If developers gain an education in secure programming, then they're a lot less likely to introduce vulnerabilities into their code make these types of training programs available to every developer in your company. Lastly, we need to find a way to motivate the curmudgeons. One way to do that is the following. Let's say you pick one secure coding platform and create an initial launch. The first 200 people in the organization that pass a secure developer training get a one-time bonus of $200. This perk might get a lot of people interested in the platform. You might even get 10 or 20% of your organization taking the training in the first quarter. The second quarter, your organization announces that during performance reviews, anyone who passes secure software training will be viewed more favorably than their peers. Now, guess what? You'll see more and more people taking the training class. Perhaps you see that half of your developer population becomes certified. Then the following year, you say, since so many developers are now certified, to achieve the rank of senior developer within the organization, it is now expected to pass this training. It becomes something HR folks look for during promotion panels. This gradual approach to move the ball in training can work and has been proven to increase the secure developer knowledge base. Here's a pro tip. Be sure to create some kind of badges or digital certificates that employees can share and show off. You might even hand out stickers upon completion that developers can proudly place in their laptops. Simple things like this can increase visibility and they can also motivate people you didn't think would change. Now that we have increased productivity from the two development programs, building software the right way, and a secure code training platform, it's time to increase convenience and reduce waste. Do you know what developers hate? Well, other than last minute change requests, they hate inefficiencies. Imagine if you get a vulnerability that says, you have a bug on line 242 of your code. So you go to the code and find there really isn't a bug. It's just a false positive in the tool. This false bug detection really, well, bugs developers. So when your organization picks a new SAS, DAST, RIAS tool, be sure to test the true and false positive rates of the tool. One way to do this is to run the tools you're considering against the OWASP benchmark. We have a link to the OWASP benchmark in our show notes. The OWASP benchmark allows companies to test tools against a deliberately vulnerable website with vulnerable code. In reality, testing tools find both good code and bad code. And these results should be compared against the ground truth data to determine how many true or false positives were found. For example, if the tool you choose has a 90% true positive rate and a 90% false positive rate, then that means the tool pretty much reports everything is vulnerable. 
This means valuable developer time is wasted. I'll hate that tool, despite any possible value. If the tool has a 50% true positive rate and a 50% false positive rate, then the tool is essentially reporting randomly. And once again, this results in lost developer confidence in the tool. You really want tools that have high true positive rates and low false positive rates. Optimize accordingly. Another developer inefficiency is the amount of tools developers need for, to leverage. If a developer has to log into multiple tools, such as check marks for SAS findings, Qualys for vulnerability management findings, WebInspect for DAS findings, Prisma for container findings, Trufflehog for secret scanning, it becomes a burden. If 10 different systems require two minutes of logging in and setup each, that's 20 minutes of unproductive time, pretty much every day. Multiply that time by the number of developers in your organization, and you can see just how much time is lost by your team just to get set up to perform security checks. Let's provide convenience and make development faster. We can do that by centralizing the security scanning results into one tool. We recommend putting all the security findings into a source code repository, such as GitHub or GitLab. This allows a developer to log into GitHub every day and see code scanning vulnerabilities, dependency vulnerabilities, and secrets findings all in one place. This means they're more likely to make those fixes since they can actually see them. And you can provide this type of view to developers by buying tools such as GitHub Advanced Security. Now, this won't provide all of your security tools in one place by itself. You still might need to show container or cloud findings, which are not in GitHub Advanced Security. But this is where you can leverage your source code repositories, native CI CD tooling. GitHub's has actions and GitLab has runners. And with the CI CD function, developers don't need to go to Jenkins and other security tools. They can use the GitHub actions to integrate container and cloud findings from a tool like Prisma. This means that developers have even fewer tools from a CI CD perspective, as well as less logging into those security tools. And therefore, convenience and efficiency improves. Now look at it from a longer perspective. If we get all of our developers integrating with these tools in one place, then we can look in our GitHub repositories to determine what vulnerabilities a new software release will introduce. This could be reviewed at a change approval board. You could also fast track developers who are coding securely. If a developer has zero findings observed in GitHub, then that code can be auto-approved for the change approval. However, if you have high critical findings from a security perspective, then you need management approval first. These approvals can be codified using GitHub code scanning, which has subsumed the tools like Looks Good to Me, LGTM, which stopped accepting new user signups last week at the end of August 2022. This process can be streamlined into DevSecOps pipelines that improve speed and convenience when folks can skip change approval meetings. Another key way we can make software faster is by performing value stream mapping exercises. And here's an example of how that reduces waste. Let's say from the time Nessus finds a vulnerability, there's actually 15 steps that need to occur within an organization to fix the vulnerability. For example, the vulnerability needs to be assigned to the right team. The team needs to look at the vulnerability to confirm it's a legitimate finding. A patch needs to be available. Patch needs to be tested. A change window needs to be available, etc. Each of these 15 steps takes time and often requires different handoffs between the teams. And these activities often mean that things sit in queues. 
This can result in waste and inefficiencies. Have your team meet with the various stakeholders and identify two time durations. One is the best case time for how long something should go through in an optimal process. The second is the average time it takes things to go through in the current process. At the end of it, you might see that the optimal case is that it takes 20 days to complete the 15 activities, where the average case takes 90 days. This insight can show you where you're inefficient. You can identify ways to speed up from 90 to 20 days. And if you can do this faster, the developer time is gained. Now developers don't have to wait for things to happen. Making it convenient and less wasteful through value stream mapping exercises allows your teams to deploy faster, patch faster, and perform faster. Okay, last but not least is making software better by increasing security. At the end of the day, there are many software activities that we do which provide zero value to the business. For example, patching operating systems on servers does not increase sales. What makes a sales team sell more products? The answer is more features on the website, such as product recommendations, more analysis of the data to better target consumers, and more recommendations from the reporting to identify better widgets to sell. Now, I know you're thinking, did CISO Tradecraft just say not to patch your operating systems? No, we did not. We were saying that patching operating systems is not a value-add exercise. Here's what we do recommend. Ask every development team to identify what percentage of their time they spend on new features versus operations and maintenance activities like patching. Systems that have a plethora of maintenance activities are wasteful and should be shortlisted for replacement. You know the ones, solutions still running via on-premises, VMware, software, software, needing monthly Java patching, software if the wind blows the wrong way, you can have an unknown error. These systems are ripe for replacement. It can also be a compelling sell to executives. For example, imagine going to the CIO and the CEO of Acme Corporation. You highlight the Acme app is run by a staff of 10 developers, which fully loaded costs us about $250,000 each per year. Therefore, developing, debugging, and maintaining that app costs our organization roughly $2.5 million in developer time alone, plus hosting fees. Now, you've analyzed this application and found that roughly 80% of the time, or $2 million worth of time and labor costs, is spent on maintenance activities, such as patching. You believe that if the team were to rewrite the application in a modern programming language using a serverless technology approach, the team could lower maintenance activities from 80% to 30%. That means that the maintenance costs would decrease from $2 million to $750,000 each year. And therefore, you can build a financial case that leadership fund a $1.25 million initiative to rewrite the application in a more supportable language and environment, which will pay for itself at the end of the second year. Now, I didn't get to my math wrong. Don't forget you're still paying the old costs while developing the new system in the first year, so you need the second year to recover it. But that's still a nice ROI. Now, if you just did a lift and shift to AWS and ran the servers on EC2 or ECS, then you still have to patch the instance operating systems, middleware and software, all of which is a non-value add. And this means that you won't reduce the maintenance activities from 80% to 30%. Don't waste developer time on these expensive transition activities. You're not gonna come out ahead. Now let's instead look at how to make that maintenance go away. 
by switching to a serverless approach. Imagine if the organization rewrote the VMware application to run on either A, a third-party hosted software-as-a-service platform, such as Salesforce or Office 365, or a serverless AWS application consisting of Amazon S3 buckets to handle front-end code, an Amazon API gateway to make REST API calls to endpoints, AWS Lambda to run code to retrieve information from a database, and DynamoDB to store data by the application. This new software shift to a serverless architecture means you no longer have to worry about patching operating systems or middleware. It also means developers don't spend time fixing misconfigurations and vulnerabilities at the operating system or middleware level. This means that you made the software more secure and gave the developers more time to write new software features which can impact the business profitability. This serverless approach truly is better and more secure. There's a great story from Capital One you can look up in our show notes that discusses how they moved from EC2 servers to Lambda for their credit offers application interface. The executive summary states that the switch to serverless resulted in 70% performance gains, 90% cost savings, and increased team velocity by 30% since time was not spent patching, fixing, and taking care of servers. Capital One uses this newfound developer time to innovate, create, and expand on business requirements. So if you want to make cheaper, faster, and better software, then focus on reducing maintenance activities that don't add value to the business. Let's recap. World-class CISOs create a world-class software development organization. They do this by focusing on cheaper, faster, and better software. To perform this function, CISOs increase productivity from developers by creating documentation that teaches developers how to build software the right way, as well as creating a training program that promotes secure coding practices. World-class CISOs increase the convenience to developers by bringing high-confidence vulnerability lists to developers, which means time savings and not weeding out false positives. Developers live in source code repositories such as GitHub or GitLab, not the 10 different software security tools that security organizations provide and police. World-class CISOs remove waste by performing value stream exercises to lean out procedures and make it easier for developers to be more efficient. And finally, world-class CISOs make software better by changing the legacy architecture with expensive maintenance activities to something that is a winnable game. These CISOs partners with the business to focus on finding systems that, when re-architected to become serverless, increase performance gains, promote cost savings, and increase developer velocity. We appreciate your time listening to today's episode, and if it sparks a new idea in your head, please write it down, share it on LinkedIn, and tag CISO Tradecraft in the comment. We'd love to see how you're taking these cyber lessons into your organization and make better software for all of us. Please go ahead and Share with your peers where you've got your great ideas from and let them know it came from CISO Tradecraft. And thanks again for listening. This is G. Mark Hardy. And until next time, stay safe out there.